I've been working on connecting underlying experiences with emotions being portrayed, not only within myself, but with those around me, close friends, family, and even the students that I support at work. Welcome to the Hyphenated Nation, a podcast for the modern day Canadian. My name is Hannah, and together with my guests, we explore what it's like navigating life as young adults through chatting about health and wellness, personal development, and relationships. Hi everyone, joining me today is a special guest. She's a child and youth worker and her day-to-day revolves around working with children who require support with behavior within Peel District School Board. She's an advocate for mental health, human rights, and social justice. By working with marginalized individuals, she wants to provide equitable ways for them to achieve success inside and outside the classroom. Let's welcome Amira. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you and I, we met together at a group home. And I remember you talking about wanting to complete your master's and you have now. So congrats. Thank you. But what inspired you to make the switch from being a support staff to vulnerable individuals at the group home Mm -hmm. to then wanting to create the hyphenated nation? That's a good question. I took some time to think about this because what I try to do is analyze what's happened in the last I think we know each other for what over five years now ish yeah it's been been a while yeah it's been a while um so you know in realizing that I recognize the privilege I actually have had in working in a variety of settings after my undergrad despite sometimes people telling me hey you should just stick with one job because it looks great on a resume why are you switching jobs every one year every half a year so on And through these wonderful experiences, I realized how natural it became for me to identify injustices. I'll give you a specific example. So when I was finishing undergrad, like early 20s, I'm a young worker and I began to see in workplaces that are sometimes well established how, you know, sometimes young workers are mistreated and taken advantage of because Mm -hmm. of their perceived whether lack of skill or understanding of their own rights as employees. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go back and do my master's. And with my master's, I wanted to explore particularly leadership and management styles that support and foster inclusive workspaces. And one that allows for employees and members to grow. So that was the premise of why I went back to school. To answer the second part of your question, like why Hyphenated Nation podcast? So the podcast came in while I was doing exploration of what I enjoy doing. And I discovered Mm -hmm. that through um, doing some informational interviews with people, I really like doing interviews and I love having deep conversations. (laughs) I'm the type Mm -hmm. of person that just says, cut out the small talk, let's go deep. (laughs) So I thought- Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) and that's why I thought why not a podcast because I don't think I do very well on camera I get very nervous but with a podcast Mm -hmm. there's like I don't have to show my face um, as often or if not at all yeah so I wanted to create a platform where people from all walks of life including yourself um, are able to share like their experiences and their hopes in life and I want us to move away from this assumption culture because we have become, in my opinion, so removed from being curious, that childlike curiosity, like, what is it like growing up like you? What is it like 
having experiences like you have, you know, asking those questions and learning from people. We've stopped doing that so much. And we start to assume what people's experiences are because of their skin color, because of their education or lack of, or because of where they work. And I think that is so just detrimental to our, actually the growth of our society. And that's why I wanted to start the podcast. That's amazing. Honestly, you hit some key points. And I just, I honestly, like I said, before we started um, talking in our, in our session, um, you, like, I listen to your podcasts and I love them. I love how informative they, they are. I love the different guests you have and the things that you guys talk about. It's like you delve into topics that need to be talked about. And I love that. I have so many questions for you. Um, the first one I have is what is your hyphenation and what is something you would like people to know about you? Okay, well, my last name is Al-Harazi, so I'm literally carrying a physical reminder and experience of hyphenation and being a part of two different worlds, Um, being from an Arab Muslim household and then being integrated in my local mosques community has given me different experiences. On one hand, at home, everything was very much rooted in Arab culture. However, at my mosque, there was an Indian lens that I had to adapt to and learn from. In terms of Canadian culture, both of my parents immigrated to Canada. Uh, My mom is from Uganda and my dad is from Yemen, but immigrated to Canada from Saudi Arabia. They both attended post-secondary in Canada, so they understood Canadian culture and society, but I still grew up surrounded by Islamic customs and traditions. Is it different from home environment to like when you go to the mosque in terms of how you view religion or how you view community? Well, I mean... Like Islam is like the religion that I follow and I practice. Um, just at home, it was very much like Arab, Arab culture, Arab traditions. And then going to mosque, it was very much rooted in in like Indian lifestyle. So I get a lot of questions from people because I can understand different languages. Like I can understand Urdu, Punjabi, uh, Gujarati and Hindi. And people get confused because they're like, but you're Arab. So that's kind of where it stems from, because the language we speak at at my mosque um, is similar to all of these languages combined, not so much Punjabi, but that's just kind of like a default of kind of knowing the other languages. So I know some of my best friends growing up were always confused because one of my best friends, actually, she speaks Urdu and I can understand her and her mom. And she'd always be confused because she's like, but you speak Arabic. How? (laughs) So it was hard to explain, but yeah, it's a great mix. Yeah, I love how you understand and speak so many different languages. It truly, I think, is a way that we connect with other people, especially people outside of our heritage or outside of our community that we're born in. Um, Do you find that, like, which community do you feel like you're most at home with? Is there one? Honestly, no. I've been very confused growing up. Like, all of my mosque friends, their family lives and, and like, you know, what they were being brought up as it was very like side by side with what they were teaching at mosque and at home it was just a really great mixture of like Arab and English culture and then as I grew up I started learning more about my mom's culture so I always felt kind of odd going to mosque because everyone just kind of knew what they were doing and they understood a lot of the things that were like you know things that they were talking about about the history and the entire culture of of the sector that we follow through Islam and I was just always confused because I'm like you know the Quran's in Arabic we pray in Arabic at home I speak Arabic 
And then I come to mosque and I understand like how, like, you know, the Arab culture is kind of rooted into that, but then it all kind of turned and leaned heavily towards India. So like, I never really felt like I truly belonged. And even like at home, my dad was very fluent in Arabic along. And I also live with like my uncle and my grandma and aunt. And, you know, they all spoke Arabic fluently with the exception of my aunt. My aunt like was born and raised in India. So she, that's kind of where I, I learned a little bit more of like the Hindi and even at home, I'd be like, Hey, well teach me Arabic. And my dad would like try and sit down with us and teach us, but it wasn't consistent enough where as like today, like I can communicate with my grandma, no problem. And I know that if I was just kind of dropped in like, let's say like Saudi Arabia or Yemen, like I, I could probably get by, but then I have friends who are like very fluent in Arabic and then they'll hear me talk and they'll be like, ha, you don't really know it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'll just stick to English then. <laughs> so it's just been very confusing. Oh my goodness. I think your experience actually resonates with so many of us and of our listeners. Um, maybe not exact of the exactly the same culture mix as where you come from, how you, like where your family stands. But in terms of like being second generation, for example, knowing multiple languages, but not to its full capacity where fluency um, or professional working language is just like, okay, I know this. I was born there, raised there. So there's a little bit of discrepancy, even with accents. I don't know if that exists within the languages, you know, but accent mm-hmm. or talking in Chinese language. So, um, or even dialects. Um, so people mm-hmm. judge me all the time. They're like, not like, where are you from? Like, as in, are you Chinese? It's like, which part of China are you from? And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm visiting the North, I'll tell them I'm from the South. And I'm, when I'm visiting the <laughs> South, when they're asking me where you're from, I'm like, um, I guess I'm not from here then <laughs> because I don't sound like I'm from here, even though I am. Yeah, like you sometimes so confused. You don't know where you really belong. And it's kind of like you have to create your own bubble of people that you feel comfortable with and know who you are and just like the uniqueness that you carry. I actually have a funny story. Um, When I was younger, I had gone to Saudi Arabia with my parents and we had bumped into people who were from our same sect. Um, And the way our mosque works is that we know people all over the world from the same sect. So it's very easy to, you know, for example, go to Saudi Arabia and, you know, run into people who are of the same religion. And so when I was talking to an older gentleman, I had a question and at mosque, we speak a very different language. Um, It's very similar to Gujarati. Um, It's called Lasana Dawit. And I am horrible at speaking this language. I can fully understand it, but I'm always getting you know, the terms mixed up of like past tense, pretense, like, it's just, it's all over the place. So I remember I was asking this gentleman a question and he basically just like laughed in my face and was like, what are you saying? And I just felt so like, just ashamed and just confused. Cause I'm like, here I am in Saudi Arabia. I know how to speak Arabic. I'm trying to like now speak this language and you are laughing at me. Like it was just, I just feel like when it comes to mosque and like the language in particular, I've found personally that a lot of people are not helpful when trying to correct the language so then it just it like it would make me want to just like stop talking and like not really get into like the practice of it so yeah I can totally empathize with you when you say that like you know with the accent and like the words and all of that like I always feel like in bigger situations I should just like not say anything because the second I open my mouth people are like yeah she's very like western because she doesn't know our language yeah I thank you for sharing that story with me People now are so 
much more like mixed race, mixed culture. And I think we're starting to see more and more of this like third culture of like, I don't belong here or there. I'm my own kind of um, assortment of cultures and, and religion or languages. And we can travel and we can speak to so many people, but the people don't necessarily understand us. And so we feel ostracized, where you feel like we don't really belong. Um, I try to look at it from a positive perspective because I can almost like um, camouflage into certain situations if I need to stay safe. Um, but I totally get you. It's definitely unfortunate that sometimes people call me out. Like, what do you talk? Like, you sound like a foreigner or like you, you sound like you don't know what you're talking about. So I definitely feel you there. So Amira, um, I know you, we talked about your background and your heritage and the languages you speak. You come from such a unique perspective. What is something you discover about yourself this past year? Well, since moving out of my parents' home, I've realized how independent I actually am. Before, I found that I would look towards other people to occupy my thoughts and feelings, when in reality, I'm learning to spend time with myself and I'm realizing that I'm my favorite companion. My biggest discovery this year has been my overall resilience. I've come to terms with my feelings and I've been able to understand and work through them using holistic approaches. I've been focusing on journaling, meditation, and healing. I still have a lot of work to do, but I'm able to look back and see how much I've grown. Um, I've been able to make clearer decisions without being clouded over by my, my emotions and past trauma. And I found that boundaries, boundaries are really important and setting them not only for myself, but for others around me have been really important. Um, I'm working really hard on not letting other people's energy affect me along with being mindful of where my energy is going. I love that. When you talk about boundaries, can you give an example of something you've set up in order to further develop yourself or kind of move you away from toxic relationships? Yeah. I mean, before I found that I was very impulsive, I wouldn't really think things through along with commitments that I was making. I was kind of like overbooking myself. And in terms of relationships, even with like friendships, I would say I was kind of like a yes man. I would try and fit everything into a day and, you know, prioritize everybody else. But then at the end of the day, I'd be feeling so drained and honestly, like resenting the fact that I had to like go places and see like, whoever, when in reality, like I'd want to spend time with this person, but because I wasn't taking time out for myself, um, it was kind of taking away from like the overall, you know, happiness and joy you should feel when you're about to like see a friend or even like from a relationship point of view, it's like you should genuinely be excited to like spend time with the person that you're with. But just in the past and like previous relationships, I felt like it was almost like having to like book appointments or squeeze that person into my day when really it was just about taking a step back and asking myself, like, what do you want? What do you need right now? And like, if you do this, are you going to be okay? So just like that thought process. Yeah, I really like that. I think the whole process you're explaining and like moving out of your parents' home into your own place. Um, I don't know if you went through this, but I certainly did, especially when I moved out for university. I moved to a different town, actually. found that I actually had to be my own parent. I had to be my own confidant. I have to be my own parent. <laughs> yeah. I have to be like own manager, like scheduling things, but also making yeah. sure that I'm well in terms of my mental health, my health, my happiness. And it took mm -hmm. actually a long time to find something that works. And the, this process of okay, I'm now by myself. I'm my own individual. What 
Mm-hmm. What is it about me that I want to continue taking on into this journey of adulthood? And what is it about me right now? It's actually from my parents, from my family that I actually don't identify with. And I need to ditch right now. <laughs> Did you have that mm-hmm. process of like, wait a minute, I need to be my own parent and figure this out for myself? A little bit. Like, I mean, my relationship with my parents was very different. I always felt like very independent and felt like I had to kind of like figure things out for myself, which was helpful in like the moving out process because I'm very routine oriented and routine based. But then in terms of like my emotions, hey, like you need to get it together. Myself, my own food, because, you know, I was very thankful at home, you know, people like I had people that were cooking and if I wanted to order something, it was no big deal because I wasn't like paying rent or like paying for like a b and c that comes with like moving out whereas you're not going to order out you need to like use the groceries that you bought because you bought 60 dollars worth of groceries and that's expensive so you need to now cook some what do you even what are you even going to cook are you going to make stir fry for like the 15th billionth time like it was more (laughs) so like figuring out like that part of adulthood because I've been trying really hard to you know be healthy and exercise but what you eat and like your nutrition plays a big role in that so I'm like here I am killing myself trying to exercise but then it's like it all goes down the drain when I have like ramen for dinner because I don't (laughs) want to eat you know or I don't want to cook sorry so that's been like my biggest struggle the cooking aspect of it I've I've come a long way and I've started meal prepping so that's helped a lot and my fiance he is also great at cooking and he will come over and he will literally just plan out my entire week so I've had help in that regard Oh, that's so nice. I, I love that um, you're able to plan together or have that support because it's so hard to fall into certain sets of patterns and habits. Um, so it, yeah. what has been your journey with mental health and mental health advocacy? And what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who may be struggling right now with stress, anxiety, Um, Well, personally, I've struggled with my own mental health. um, And I know of close friends and family who have as well and who are still working through their emotions, myself included. Um, I've been working on connecting underlying experiences with emotions being portrayed, not only within myself, but with those around me, close friends, family, and even the students that I support at work. Um, When it comes to dealing with stress, personally, I found peace in journaling and meditation, uh, taking time out of my day to clear my thoughts by bringing pen to paper has really helped me work through and prioritize those thoughts and feelings. Um, And then being mindful of my breathing and doing breathing exercises have helped in moments where I felt overwhelmed. Right now, I know a lot of people, you know, they're talking about self-care and meditation, and it might sound very repetitive. And to some, it can be very unhelpful. And I, for one, can say that I never took any of it seriously whenever anyone would bring up mindfulness or yoga or any of that, I would just kind of laugh it off and and be like, you don't get it. Like, no, like that's not what's going to help me. Um, But it wasn't until I literally hit rock bottom and I was trying to pull myself together that at that point I was like, okay, let me try some of these suggestions. Let me see what works. I mean, I'll give it a shot. Like what else could go wrong? And so that's why I would, I would tell people, I would say, just give it a shot, like a quick breathing exercise. It can really, really make a difference if it's done with the intention. And I think one last thing I'd like to add that I found super helpful was creating a safe space or even like a safe person who I can share my thoughts and feelings with. Um, I've stopped apologizing for taking up space and have really come to terms with being able to talk about how I'm feeling and expressing when I need help and when I feel overwhelmed. And that's been 
great because sometimes I feel like I have all these thoughts racing around in my head and I just need to get them all out. So journaling is one thing, but when you need like a confidant, I feel like it's great to have someone that, you know, won't ever get sick of you. Like I know a lot of the times it feels like you can be like the, the mindset around it is like, you know, don't dump onto other people, but my best friend and I, we tell each other all the time that, you know, you can tell me the same thing 101 times as long as you get it out there and we're talking. It's better to do that than to just, you know, shut up and not say anything. And then all of a sudden you're like stuck in this like deep, dark hole of like no return. Mm -hmm. So I find that that's been super helpful. So. Do you want to learn more about the topics discussed today and connect with others? Follow me on Instagram at the hyphenated nation hyphenated spelled H-Y-P-H-E-N-A-T-E-D. Now back to the episode. Especially when stress is compilated, it becomes really difficult to pause and take a moment to be present. It's really difficult at that time. If somebody comes along and says, hey, you just need to sit down and meditate. You just need to journal. We live in a society where there's so much reactive action and there's not enough time we actually spend to prevent stress or prevent anxiety, prevent mental health challenges from happening just because of what we are dealt with in terms of our responsibility as adults. So a lot of mm-hmm. treatments are like, what do you do after when someone has hit rock bottom? Not saying that exactly. it's a helpful process to hit rock bottom. I have hit rock bottom myself. I could consider myself a very privileged person because of my education mm-hmm. background, because of my social status, because of the people around me. But had it been not the case that I had that support, I would have been stuck there for mm-hmm. God knows how long. So the key is to actually set up ways. I like to call like fueling stations, if that makes sense. And some of the mentioned are definitely things I would add to my fueling stations is when I'm in a good headspace, when I'm doing okay, but I could perceive stress coming, like it's glooming in the um, horizon where I know I have a stressful mm-hmm. week coming or a stressful term coming, I will be very intentional about what I put in my schedule or what I put in my day to help fuel me. Um, because we can't just keep giving, giving and giving without, like you mentioned, having um, like a safe person or a safer space to gain our fuel again we can't run on empty gas tank people don't know where to start and I would say just start with one thing and then once you're very used to that one thing once it's become routine then add in something else because I think what what happens to a lot of people is they're like okay well I'm gonna journal and I'm gonna meditate and I'm gonna take a bath and I'm gonna read a book and this and that and then it's like it just becomes so overwhelming that you have to like basically like plan a whole day just get these things done and then you definitely don't have time for anything else So I would say just start with one thing at a time, see what works for you. Cause I know some people who absolutely just like can't stand writing. So they just do the whole like voice note where they just like record how they're feeling so they can play it out loud, hear how they sound, really pick at like what the issues are or what is bothering them and then kind of dissect it that way. So you just kind of have to find what works for you. And and when you find it, it will honestly be life-changing. Sometimes we're taught these strategies and it just seems like there's the right way to do it or only way to do it when there's so many ways to do the same thing. You know, the goal is for us to relax. The goal is for us to become less stressed. We have to figure out the best way for ourselves. And I even find with things like journaling or recording my thoughts, 
it depends what has happened or the situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. My intuition will tell me like, Hey Hannah, like, I think this will be worthwhile writing down because for example, for me, if there's like thoughts in my head that I haven't exactly formed, it really helps for me to write it because as I'm writing thoughts will come to my mind in terms of how to solve certain situations. If mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I need to rant, <laughs> I'm not going to open a journal and like yeah. slowly write exactly. down what's happening. Yeah. I'm just going to turn yeah. on a voice note, turn on my camera and just like talk to the camera or talk to my phone and just vent it, vent it out to myself. And sometimes by the end of it, I'm laughing because like, you know, this is sometimes, sometimes the things I rant about are things that are so small and <laughs> looking back, it's like unimportant things, um, but it helps just get it out. So yeah, I love those ideas. Get it all out there. Cause I find that the more that thoughts twirl around in your head, especially if you feel like that they're taking a toll on you, it just like you, people see it, they see it on your face. They see it in like your demeanor and the way that you're acting. And like people can sense energy, like people who are very in tune with themselves can kind of sense that something is off. And it's just like, what's the point? You might as well just put it all out on the table, you know, feel better about yourself and then carry on with your day rather than just kind of like drowning yourself in these thoughts and emotions. Yeah. And I think so much of it is like, we're taught, especially as women and children, um, mm-hmm. we're taught to like be submissive. We're taught to be quiet. We're taught to be uh, self-sufficient in processing our own emotions when that's really not the case. And we really need to debunk Mm -hmm. those norms because they're not healthy, even for men, even for younger boys. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're taught like, you can't cry. You can't show emotion. You have to be tough. Like you have to be a certain way. Like how toxic is that (laughs) for my family, at least from what I know, like the older generations are still very much in that headspace of like, have to be professional, have to conceal. And that is not healthy. I know. I find that like sometimes even when I'm trying to like explain something to my mom, like I remember growing up, like her, her go-to phrase was stop psychoanalyzing me. And it's like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to like understand. And to the older generation, it just sounds like, you know, you're being loud, you're being too much, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just shut up basically. That's literally like the message that I felt like I was getting, not just like at home, but in general, just like society itself. It's just kind of like, do what you're told to do. And it is what it is. This is just what life is. When in reality, it's like, no, like I just, I I hope that we can raise our next generation to be outspoken, to not apologize for taking up space, for Mm -hmm. being tuned in with their feelings. Because I feel like if that starts from a very young age, and I see it with the kids that I work with, if they are raised a certain way while they're younger, then it, it transforms into their adult lives. The more empathetic you can raise a child to be, the better outcome for their future and whoever they interact with, whether it's like their future partner or their kids, you know, I've definitely seen the way that people have been raised. And I can speak to like my fiance's parents, like they have raised him so well. He like is amazing. And I, in the very beginning, I used to just really question it and be like, you're so normal. What's wrong with you? Like, there must be something (laughs) wrong with you kind of like digging, trying to find a flaw, but he, he genuinely is just normal. And a lot of that has to do with like, you know, how he was raised and what he witnesses at home and, you know, how his parents treat each other. And another thing that comes to mind is that like, when people have questions, I know that when I had questions growing up, I would always ask why. And a lot of the feedback I would get, they would be like, why do you keep asking why? Like, no more why, no more what if, like this, it is what it is. But I think that, 
yes, on one hand, as a kid, that can be very annoying to have, you know, being a parent and have this kid be like, why, why, what if, what if, and it's like eventually like, okay, enough. But at the same time, I feel like if those answers are provided, kids genuinely want to learn. And then they have those answers for when they approach certain situations, or if someone were to ask them the same question down the line. Something I love about children is their curiosity. And I remember being told to shut up and being like, I remember being told to not ask any questions like yourself. Mm-hmm. I hope that I'm never like that with, you know, whether kids I'm around with in the future or my own children, because mm-hmm. that's how they stop learning and start assuming there's so much assumptions happening. And speaking of relationships, I feel like we need to do a whole nother episode on relationships because what yes. happened, I think right now in our generation is we question good intentions and good people and good uh-huh. relationships uh-huh. because we've <laughs> come across so many bad experiences that it's become normal. It's become okay to be in a toxic unhealthy relationship and we meet the one that's like good for us and helpful and helps us grow it's like what is wrong with the situation we question it (laughs) it's just it's a mess (laughs) it's a whole mess but yeah that's something we definitely need to talk about because I feel like a lot of people can resonate to that like I've heard so many people be like he's just normal and that's weird and I'm like no no sweetie that's great that's amazing take that take it (laughs) and don't question it Um, from working with you, I saw that you really are a person that embraces who you are, um, at least from the outside, at least when we work together, like you are just unapologetically you, like you were just, you know, playing your music, doing your thing, like (laughs) you've really shined. And I really think what would it take for me to be like that? Because I'm really shy of showing myself. Okay. Aside from the times I've (laughs) lashed out, um, (laughs) 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 but um I really saw saw you as a person that was like really comfortable in their own skin from the outside I don't know what was going on your mind but I really like that about you that's like great for me to hear because I feel like inside I'm a whole train wreck like I'm like so for someone to say that I'm like whoa like you actually thought I had my life together (laughs) like good job me because yeah like I mean I enjoyed working with you. I mean, I think that you and I, you know, get along really well and we just got each other. So I think that kind of helped me open up and just kind of be who I was. Cause I'm like, okay, Hannah is like a safe person. You know, we can, we can chill, we vibe. It's fine. You know? Thank you. Yeah. I try to be that person. I don't know if that always comes across as a good thing. Like, I don't know if people always feel comfortable around me, but that is certainly something I am trying to develop is to, first of all, be in my comfort, like comfortable in my own skin before I could extend that to someone else and say, you can be comfortable in my presence. Like you don't have to hide anything. So I think it goes both ways. It's a, it's a lot of work to be done, I would say. Yeah. 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 And it's also like a lot of acknowledgement too, because you have to take a step back and, and ask yourself, like, do you like being this person? Like what, what are the things that you want to work on to make yourself happy? Cause I think like from what you had said, it's like you can present yourself a certain way to everybody and that can be great. But then it's like internally, like, how do you feel? And I think that once you understand how you feel on the inside, then it's like the ultimate shine on the outside. Cause you're, you're happy inside and out. That is something ultimately who I want to be is instead of trying to act like how people want me to act, like professional settings or, you know, just meeting people as friends. I want to find myself first and be comfortable in that 
before I could shine for other people or shine Mm -hmm. for myself actually. And then have other people see it because I think before (laughs) I was taught to shine for other people. I was taught to do Mm -hmm. certain things to please other people. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that was going very well. (laughs) So I'm trying to do what you mentioned before is to do the work for myself. And that's very important. Few lightning round questions. Are you ready? Ah, Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. The first question is, what is one guilty pleasure you have? Oh my gosh, guilty pleasure. Okay. Does it have to do with food? Because like my life right now revolves around food. So I would say, (laughs) yeah, I, I love salty food. I will dump a whole thing of like that salt and vinegar kernels, like popcorn mix into my popcorn and sit there not only like sucking on the popcorn, but then literally take my finger and then dip it into like the residue of the powder and just straight up enjoy it. And I will do this like all the time. That's my guilty pleasure. (laughs) Okay. Second question. What do you think should be breaking the internet right now but is not this is kind of already broke the internet but I feel like I'm just confused as to like why it's still a thing like I literally saw a video this morning about a man walking in his own neighborhood he was um a black American and there's a Caucasian man like yelling at him telling him to basically like go elsewhere and he was like walking in his own neighborhood and I'm just like confused as to how like I know we're constantly talking about racism and that's great and that's amazing but it's like how are people still walking around openly like that like this this man like the Caucasian man was like in the middle of the the sidewalk like screaming at this this black American and it's like how do you like how do you not take a step back and ask yourself like why why am I like this like what like it's just that whole aspect of it like I know that in your other podcast you talked about microaggression and like that I can see is like you know a deeper conversation like to have with people who like don't even understand like why they're doing it or how offensive they can come across but the people who are just like outwardly like you don't belong here it's like bitch neither do you like I don't I don't know I just like I feel like like I'm just I get so frustrated when I see things like that especially like people who like that Chris Sky guy who like is like blown up on the internet for like notoriously like known for like walking into shops without a mask and going around saying he has like a medical exemption and fine that's absolutely fine but like when you go into a shop with the purpose of just being an asshole it's like people are like oh my god he's so funny but it's like in reality you're giving him that platform like it's not funny it's ridiculous so those are those are my two cents on that yeah, it's different if it's microaggressions versus straight out violence and aggression, because that mm-hmm. not saying like microaggressions are OK, they're not. But this is not OK. Yeah, and the guy was just walking. I know. I think I saw the video afterwards. Um, a whole community mm-hmm. of um, black Americans yes, yes. on the guy's lawn and was just like protesting very, like very just safely. They weren't damaging any property. And I think the guy mm-hmm. got I want to say he got arrested or ticketed or something because he mm-hmm. was harassing the person. Like he was causing physical, you know, discomfort. Yeah. Like a disturbance. Person. And like, yeah. so, and like the, the black American, he looked like he was younger. I don't remember his age, but it's like, this was a grown man yelling at from what it looked like, like a younger adult, maybe even teenager. And it's like, you're a grown man. 
like go inside, spend time with your family, do something else. Like, what are you like? What is the purpose that you're trying to serve by yelling at this other person, black American or not? It's like you're just being rude. Like, what's the point? Yeah. And to your point, I know you were joking, but like the point about you don't belong here either. I think people fail to recognize their privilege and the fact that we are all <laughs> settlers on this land. Exactly. No land yes. belongs to us just because of our class, how much money we have, you know, our skin yes. color. We, purchase land to live in but that land doesn't belong to us forever like we're just borrowing mm-hmm. it with the resources that we have in order to reside in a certain place physical space mm-hmm. and I think it's so wrong for people to assume that they are the ones that belong wherever and everyone else needs to leave that is not okay yeah statement of like go back to where you belong and it's like well where did you come from because if you trace it back to years and years and years, your ancestry like did not start here unless you are like of like native descent. So it's like that whole, that whole statement is just not the smartest. Like when I hear people say it, it always like takes me back to like, do your own history of like where you came from. I have one more question for you and not to turn away from the important topic we're just discussing, because I still think when it comes to the fight against racism and white supremacy, it's going to be a long battle. It's not going to be mm-hmm. solved overnight. So I'm, I'm happy that it was brought up and I'm happy that you still think it should be, you know, breaking the internet, which it is and continuing to do so until actions are being made that actually make an impact. So thank you for that. I know you love a good sunny vacation. <laughs> what would be your next travel destination? Jamaica. Honestly, I didn't even need you to finish the it's question. It's still Jamaica. hundred percent. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is about Jamaica. I've been to other places, but I've just felt the most free there. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's something in the air. It's, it's the sand. It's the vibes. It's the music. It's the food. It's the people. Like, it's like Jamaica is where you need to go. If you just want to relax, yeah. have a good time. Like it's just Jamaica, hundred percent. I I I've told all the people who are close to me that like when I die, please bury me in Jamaica because I will be happy there. My spirit will be happy there. Oh, I just remember like when I was working with you, you'd be either planning to go be going to Jamaica or you'd be sharing stories about returning from trips to Jamaica. <laughs> it still is. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Love that. In today's episode, Amira and I explored our experiences with having hyphenated identities and navigating independence as young women. We also took a deep dive at our journeys with mental health and strategies that has helped us overcome challenging times. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and a rating. Your support is much appreciated. See you next time.